Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. For Wolverine fans from coast to coast, go blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Last week was dubbed must-win week for Michigan basketball. Mission accomplished. Wednesday night, we found a way to stop Iowa, and then on Sunday, down went number eight Ohio State in a physical, spirited game between the two rivals. This week, we're on the road at Penn State and then closed the regular season at Maryland on Saturday. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News will join us on our game day segment in just a minute. First, a few news and notes to get us started. It's official. Former Florida headman Jim McElwain is now a member of Michigan staff. He will reportedly coach the receivers and assist with play calling. Will he end up the offensive coordinator? It's not clear yet if that is the end game, so stay tuned. Still no word from the NCAA on whether Shea Patterson will be eligible for the coming season. Spring practice is scheduled to get underway on March 22nd, and we will hopefully know by then. According to ESPN, Michigan has the toughest schedule in college football next season. We open with number 5 Notre Dame on the road, have number 12 Michigan State and number 4 Ohio State on the road, and entertain top 10 teams Wisconsin and Penn State in the big house. The Notre Dame opener will be a night game on NBC. Last year's March run by Michigan basketball will long hold a special place in the hearts of Michigan fans. From the plane crash to the Big Ten tournament run and a riveting two-week journey in the NCAA tournament. As this season dawned, we didn't know what to expect. Mo and The Rock were back, as well as sharpshooting Duncan Robinson. But they were surrounded by a lot of new faces. This was a rebuilding year, and expectations were not that high. But oh, how that has changed. The veterans have led the way. Xavier Simpson, despite his free throw issues, is developing into a tantalizing point guard and defensive pit bull. Freshman Isaiah Livers and Jordan Poole look like future stars, and Charles Matthews could be another star in the making. It's been another winter of just flat-out fun watching Coach B do what he does as well as any coach in America. Mold and manage a team that gets better and better as March approaches. And I, for one, think we haven't seen the best from this team yet. I could be wrong, but I think we're going on another ride in March that will be exhilarating. It might not recapture last year's magic in a bottle, but it could come close. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News joins me next on our game day segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brooklyn. with us on our game day segment this week to talk Michigan hoops is beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Great to have you back with us, James. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, it is hard to believe that for the Big Ten, at least, this is the last week of the regular season. Pretty crazy, isn't it, James? Yeah, time sure flies. And uh, obviously with the, uh, the tournament getting moved up, um, everything everything is uh, kind of uh, ending a week sooner. But yeah, it's uh, definitely ended a lot quicker than uh, you probably expect. 
Well, it was said last week it was must-win week for Michigan, especially given both games were at home the last two this year at Chrysler. So mission accomplished uh, with Wednesday's win over Iowa and then a grinded-out W uh, on Sunday against number 8 Ohio State. Those were two huge wins for the program, weren't they, James? Yeah, I think definitely Michigan had to take care of its business. Um, I mean, you look at most of the... the, uh, bracket predictions or whatever i mean michigan's pretty much in in the tournament um but i mean any any home loss is really a bad loss at this point in the season and i mean people might not think the iowa game was a was a good win but i mean they might not have had much to gain from that but i mean they had that's one of those games where you have everything to kind of lose in with a loss to that team uh but but yeah they definitely had to take care of business this week um to kind of just ease the pressure i mean if they would have lost both of these games heading into this final week with both their the final two games on the road that would have they would have, you know, that would have intensified the pressure on this team heading into that final week. But I think these two wins, you know, they really have kind of eased the pressure on themselves. And now it's kind of, they're just more so kind of working on their, on their seating for the tournament. And uh, obviously the Ohio state win that kind of gives them another one of those quadrant one wins to really kind of solidify the resume. And now if you look at it heading into this final week um, with Nebraska losing uh, at Illinois, it kind of still sets up that whole uh, four seed in the conference tournament still kind of within reach for Michigan here. Um, obviously, Nebraska and Michigan are both at 11-5 and five in conference play, so Michigan has to jump Nebraska in total wins since Nebraska has that tiebreaker. But, um, yeah, definitely this week was huge for Michigan in terms of just kind of solidifying the resume and, you know, taking pressure off of them, um, coming up with these, these next two games on the road at Penn State and at Maryland, which are both two solid teams. Um, I mean, they're both kind of ranked around, you know, the 75 in RPI, so they're not going to be – you know, um, easy games to win on the road. Um, but yeah, this week was definitely huge in terms of, you know, stamping their, uh, stamping their resume and kind of taking a, taking a lot of pressure off themselves heading into this final week. And as you mentioned, uh, both of the games on the road this week, Penn State probably playing as well, maybe not as well as Michigan State, but as well as anyone else in the conference. So heading into Happy Valley uh, this week, that is going to be one tough place to get a W. Yeah, if you just look at what Penn State's done like over their last five, six games, I mean, they've definitely been on the upswing and turning up. I mean, obviously they're playing for their tournament lives right now, and it's never it's never a good thing to kind of play a, a, a desperate team that's kind of, you know, fighting for its life. I mean, you look back when they played at Michigan State, you know, at the end of January, they were up double digits in that game on the road. Um, and then, I mean, they've, they pummeled Iowa at home by like 24 points. They pummeled Illinois at Illinois by 24 points. Um, both times they've, they, they've beaten Ohio State, you know, twice at Ohio State and at home by, what, 23 points. And then um, just this past weekend, uh, you know, Sunday night, they, they pushed Purdue to the limit. I mean, at Purdue, they only lost by three points. Um, and obviously they have Tony Carr, who's leading the Big Ten in scoring. So they're definitely a dangerous team, and they're definitely a team that, at this point of the season, you know, I wouldn't want to face just because, as I said, I mean, they're, they've been on the upswing these past few weeks, and they've probably been playing as well as any any other team in the Big Ten. So it, going into Happy Valley and, and facing this team that's, you know, scrapping and clawing and fighting for its life is, uh, is definitely not going to be an easy game. No, and they definitely are scrapping for their lives. And then Saturday, uh, it's going to be senior day against Maryland there. So when you look at, uh, you know, a tough midweek game and then a very emotional game for Maryland and their seniors at home, if, if Michigan drops both of those games, how much of a negative would it be uh, for this team as far as tournament seeding goes? Uh, are we talking Big Ten tournament or NCAA tournament? The NCAA. I don't know, just because they're both in the, in the top 
they're both in the top 75 in RPI. So that would, I believe, looking at the quadrants, uh, like how they how they have the new setup now, I believe those would constitute as they're at least quad quadrant two. Uh, they would at least be quadrant two losses. They might be quadrant one losses. I'm not sure, but I mean, still they're kind of like those top tier losses. So I don't think it would it would affect them too much. It might maybe move them from you know maybe you know maybe a seven to an eight or something or you know, from a six to a seven, I don't think it would drop them several seeds just, just for the fact that, I mean, both teams are still, they're both pretty solid uh, RPI teams. So I don't, I don't think it would maybe move them too much, but then again, they also, even if they do drop these losses, they still have, you know, chances to kind of pick up more wins in the big 10 tournament, um, you know, at a neutral site. So they could, you know, help themselves there. Um, but I think if dropping these two, if they drop these last two games, I don't think it would make a huge impact, like drop them several seeds. I think it might, move them one just for the fact that when you look at RPI, they're still, I think, I think uh, Maryland is in the top 60 or something like that. And the Penn States, I think around 76, 75. So they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be terrible losses at all. So I don't think it would really impact them too much uh, when it comes to NCAA tournament seeding. Well, in both wins last week, the offense was really not humming. And I guess we can say uh, in January and February, it really hasn't been humming uh, uh, week to week, but you know, the defense, which has surprised all of us, has been very good. And I know Coach B says, and he said it uh, Sunday after the game, that he's not quite a believer yet when it comes to his team defense. But this team, especially the guards, James, are playing some really good hard-nosed defense right now, aren't they? Yeah, no, I mean, if you look at Michigan's, just their, their defensive stats, I mean, I think they rank in the top 15, at least, in, you know, scoring defense in the nation, which... I mean, that, that says something a lot, uh, you know, about this team and the way they've been able to defend. But, I mean, a lot of the games this season, I mean, they've been able to, you know, to pull off some tough games um, that they probably wouldn't be able to in the past. I mean, that was kind of after they beat Northwestern at home and kind of that, that grinded-out game where it was 58-47. That was, you know, one thing uh, Northwestern coach Chris Collins said after the game was, you know, this is probably a, a game Michigan doesn't win, you know, in, in past years. Um, but, yeah, their defense, I mean – it hasn't always been there at times. I mean, but it's it's certainly been in in games where their offense isn't certainly clicking. It's been something that they've been able to lean on to kind of keep them in games. Um, so I think that's been the biggest change. But yeah, and it starts a lot with the guards. Obviously, Xavier Simpson kind of leads that leads that effort. Um, and they probably have the best, obviously, guards, um, defensive guards that Bjorn has maybe had in some time. You know, obviously with Xavier Simpson and Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, who we all know at times last year, Beeline just had out there just he just wanted him to focus on being the team's defensive stopper you know being that top uh, defensive guy for the team and then you know Charles Matthews at the at the wing he's you know a long range athletic guy who can really uh put pressure on guys and then also you have some other guys who have been stepping up too um I mean after after the win uh against Ohio State on on Sunday being on you know credited Duncan Robinson for his his defense and talked about how much it's improved I mean he didn't really make a an impact in the in the scorebook as as you know he would have liked. I mean, he didn't finish. Uh, he finished with just four points on, you know, four free throws, and he only, you know, he missed all three of his shots from the field. But, you know, Beeline credited him for his defense that he helped play on a uh, uh, Kita Bates Diop. I mean, granted, he scored 17 points, but I mean, he did that on, you know, five for 17 shooting from the field, and that's a lot of that, you know, credit goes to both Duncan Robinson and you know Isaiah Livers was when when he was in there guarding. But uh, Duncan kind of had more playing time, so that was kind of his more of his assignment. But yeah, definitely. There's been there's been more buying on the defensive end, and it's uh and it showed, you know. So it's when the offense, you know, isn't fully clicking like you know most fans are used to in uh you know in recent years, 
Um, the defense has been something, you know, that they've been able to kind of lean on and maybe, you know, force turnovers and kind of help spark their spark their offense, you know, and start uh, generating their offense. Yeah, I think, uh, as we just mentioned, the the defense we're getting from the guards, uh, from Abdur Rockman and from Xavier Simpson has been outstanding. And overall, I think the team has been more aggressive on defense, much more physical. The old white-collar uh, image that, you know, last year, Illinois, one of the Illinois players mentioned you can't look at this team and say they are not aggressive and physical. And I know last year, uh, Coach Donovan uh, primarily had defensive coaching responsibilities. And now Coach Yaklich has uh, taken that over. And from from what I understand, Coach Beeline said he pretty much uh, draws up the defensive game plan and they roll with it. Do you give him a lot of credit for what we're seeing on the defensive end this year? Yeah, I, I give him certainly a, a fair amount of credit. I don't know how much of it, too, because if you remember last season, um, it, the kind of the defense struggled early on in the Big Ten season, then it kind of started picking up, you know, halfway through. So I think you still have to give Billy Donovan some credit. I don't know how much has completely changed, you know, since, you know, Luke Yaklic has taken over. I'm sure there's they've still kept some defensive principles from Billy Donovan. So I think it's just kind of when that that all that whole – it all started to buy in kind of last season once, you know, Beeline kind of handed over the reins to Billy Donovan as like the de facto defensive coordinator. So I think it all – the whole mindset and everything started to change last season and it's kind of just carried over into this season. Um, so I think some of it is still, I, I think you still have to credit some of it to Billy Donlin, but I think obviously Luke Yaklich takes a, you know, a lot of credit for this season. I mean, obviously there's been, Beeline has credited him several times um, throughout the season about, you know, uh, the Joppy Zones' defense. I mean, you look at when they, they beat Northwestern at home, they, they broke out that zone. And that was totally a, a Luke Yaklich move. I mean, he, he told Dion, you know, we got to switch stuff up because Northwestern's guards were just continually dribble driving into lane and, and just scoring it. Uh, or no, excuse me, when they, the Minnesota game at home, when uh, Minnesota's guards were just dribble driving and, you know, scoring at will in the paint, that was, you know, Yaklich told Dion, hey, man, we got to go to the zone. And I mean, that ended up being a game changer for Michigan and helping them, you know, kind of limit, limit that penetration and kind of finally get them some stops. And, you know, when they weren't able to do that throughout, you know, most of the first half and second half. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Luke definitely deserves a, a ton of credit, you know, just for the job he's uh, been able to do. And, you know, there's been a couple of things to kind of emphasize, you know, early on going into the season, and one of them was defensive rebounding. And if you look at Michigan's numbers in that, in that field, I mean, their de- defensive rebound percentage is, uh, is pretty high. And, I mean, that's been – that kind of helps with their, their defense just because the job they've been able to do just, uh, just limiting, you know, teams to kind of just that one shot and not, you know, giving up second chance points or, you know, second efforts. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely Luke Yaklich has definitely, uh, made an impact with the defensive team and it's, and it's also helped. I mean, the team has, has bought into it, um, you know, throughout this entire season and we're kind of seeing, you know, just how good this team can be when, you know, they actually fully buy into it and, you know, kind of put the, you know, execute the, the game plan that, that they continue to draw up. Well, the defense has been a surprise, I think, to most fans. We're all very happy about that. There have been a lot of surprises this year. The uh, the play of the freshman, unexpected. Uh, Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, uh, Jordan Poole steps up big, uh, coming off the bench, hits some big shots against Ohio State. Uh, you just watch this kid, and he is not afraid to come into the game and put it up right away, is he? No, he's. Uh, he said after after the game yesterday, I mean, he was asked, if, you know, if you could tell if you're going to have a, you know, kind of a good shooting day, like, you know, in warmups, and he says, you know, every, every, every game, I feel like I'm going to have a good shooting day. So 
he's definitely not uh, de- definitely not shy on confidence, and he's uh, not he's not afraid to kind of shoot the ball anytime he gets it, and he gets a you know a clean open look. Um, but yeah, Jordan Poole definitely. I mean, he's he's provided a spark you know throughout the entire season, and in uh in in Sunday's game you know that went over Ohio State, he, he provided a huge spark. I mean, he helped he helped kind of get uh Michigan on track there, you know, to get the offense rolling. I mean, he scored scored 15 points in the game, but I mean, 12 of those came in the in the first half, and he scored uh, the majority of his points when Michigan kind of went on a, a 16 to four run early on to kind of take the lead and kind of take control early on. So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helps with Michigan. I mean, granted, Jordan Poole is not always scoring 15 points. He's not really always providing that spark. But, I mean, they have, you know, all these freshmen, are, are, they've shown the ability, you know, to, to kind of come out and, and provide that spark, you know, whether it's Isaiah Livers, you know, if it's, uh, you know, on the defensive or offensive end, and then, and then Jordan Poole, you know, coming off the bench. And, you know, he's, he's shown several times this season he can come off and just start, just uh, make it rain threes and, you know, kind of just, or in a flurry to kind of really change the uh, the complexion of a game and tilt, tilt the game in Michigan's favor. Well, I think we've got to like what we're getting from uh, our freshmen because uh, we didn't even know if they would contribute this year, but uh, that is at least what you can say about them. They're coming off the bench and they are contributing solidly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's always it's always the thing with Beeline's teams. You know, I mean, he always talks about how if you look across the nation, I mean, not many freshmen, you know, step right, right in right away and, you know, con- and contribute and play heavy minutes. I mean, I think that's something like... I think it's just a continu- a thing that Billion just he continues to develop players throughout the season, and it's just one of those things where I mean the freshman, I mean obviously stepping into the system, we know how intricate and complex his offense is, and defense is always kind of the biggest adjustment for freshmen, you know, making that step from you know the high school to the college level. So obviously it's taking some time, you know, for them to you know to start making an impact. But I mean, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, they've they've grown and they've you know they've made huge progress throughout the season. So. Um, I mean, it just it just says a lot about you know the job that they've done, you know, putting in the work and practice, but also the I mean the job that uh you know that just Beeline and his coaching staff does with these freshmen, you know, just continue to to develop them and, and you know progress their game and you know take it to this point. Well, another thing I think uh, Michigan fans have to like is uh, the play of Mo Wagner right now. He seems to be getting better as the season wears on. I think, of course, that ankle getting better has a lot to do with that. And he might not be reigning in points like you know some fans would hope he would. But his all-around play has been very impressive. He just looks like he's in tournament mode now, James. Yeah, no, I think he senses it's uh, it's kind of that time of the year. And like like you said, I mean, he, he might not always be uh, you know, leading the team in scoring, but I mean, he just he's been able to impact the game in, in so many so many more ways this season. You know, I mean, last season he wasn't that great of a rebounder. I mean, even though he was you know the tallest guy on the team, but I mean. If he, that's probably one of the biggest areas of improvement he's had this season is his rebounding. I mean, you look at his rebounding numbers, he's leading the team by a wide margin, and he's always – he does a good job of, you know, getting those defensive boards and really limiting teams to to just that one shot, and you know, to kind of get the get the ball moving the other way, which is uh, which is huge. I mean, that's that's a big part of Michigan's defense is obviously, you know, just kind of limiting uh, teams to that one, that one possession. And then Mo, too, I mean, throughout several times this season, he's drawn praise for – for the physicality that he's playing with in the post, I mean, uh, you know, he's not really shying shying away from you know, uh, you know, guarding some of these big men. And granted, he's had he's had some tough tough assignments throughout this year. I mean, you look at some of the big men he's had to guard. I mean, he's had to guard you know Thomas Welsh at UCLA. He's had Mo Bamba at Texas. Um, you know, Ethan Happ at Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Isaac Haas, Purdue. I mean, he's had he's had uh, you know some tough guys to cover. I mean, granted, some of those guys have had had big games but I mean Mo you know he was able to do enough to you know just kind of slow those guys down um and then yeah if you look at just the more the more recent games I mean Mo's definitely kind of been uh starting to 
starting to turn it up. I mean, uh, you know, at Wisconsin, he, you know, he led the team with 20 points. And then uh, in the, in the win at Iowa, you know, he scored, you know, 14, he was kind of up there, you know, leading the team. And then, I mean, yesterday, uh, you know, he scored, you know, 12 more, 12, 12 points and seven boards. So uh, I definitely think he, he, he realizes what time of the year it is. And this is kind of, I mean, if we all remember last season, this was, you know, the time of the year where he started to really uh, pick up his play and, you know, start to really uh, kind of, uh, you know, rise to the occasion and kind of, you know, catch a lot of the nation's eyes, you know, with, uh, with his, with the performances. Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman is, um, he's just a guy I'm going to miss next year. And I've said this over and over, but he does so much for this team. He is so very much underrated, isn't he, James? Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy who's probably flown under the radar throughout his entire um, college career. Um, yeah, he just does everything. I mean, he does so many of the little things well, and he, he just you know, whether it's on the defense and then the offense, and then, you know, if it's just, you know, uh, breaking down a defense, you know, with this dribble drive and kicking out to find an extra guy or just making the extra pass or, you know, these past few games, he's really, he's really come up clutch. I mean, it's not, it's not like a game winning basket or nothing, but he's always, he seems to always come up with this, with a basket, you know, when the team, it might be going through a rough stretch or like a scoring drought, you know, going like four minutes without a, you know, a point. It always seems like it's Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman who's the guy who comes up and, you know, helps kind of snap that, snap that drought or snap that, you know, Spoiler Street from Michigan and kind of help them get them uh, going the other way, um, you know, kind of help the offense get on track. But, yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be a guy that uh, Michigan misses next season. But, I mean, I think you can tell, I mean, just from his play as of late, I mean, I think, you know, you can sense he feels kind of that clock is kind of ticking on his career because, I mean, these past few games he's kind of, I think you can you could say without a doubt he's definitely, he's definitely risen the level of his game. I mean, yesterday, you know, on senior day, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it might be an emotional day for most people, but, you know, um, Muhammad was just kind of like, you know, it's just kind of once the ball is tipped, you know, it's just another game, you know, it's a game we got to win. So, I mean, and he, and he led the team, you know, with uh, 17 points uh, yesterday. And then, you know, at Iowa, he, he also led the team, or he tied for the team lead with 18 points. And then um, and then even back before that, I mean, you look at uh, Wisconsin, um, I mean, he, he was up there, you know, scoring 15 points. And a lot of those, a lot of those points, you know, came in the final two minutes when he, he was sent to the free throw line and, you know, made, seven of eight free throws in the final two minutes to help seal that game. So yeah, Muhammad just does, just does so many things well. And, you know, he just steps up. It seems like anytime, you know, Michigan really needs someone to step up it's him. And especially he's kind of become that go-to guy late in games. I mean, we remember, you know, the Maryland game where he, he kind of, you know, came up clutch in the, you know, in, uh, late there. Um, so yeah, he's, he's definitely a, going to be a guy that beeline misses, but he's definitely a guy too, like, like Mo Wagner. Um, he's kind of a guy who's starting to really elevate his game, you know, late, late in the season. Another one of the guys that's going to be key, and other than his free throws, we've seen a steady progression, I think, from Xavier Simpson this year, James. Clark Kellogg said on uh, Sunday during the telecast that Xavier, uh, in his opinion, he thinks he's a jump shot away from being an elite point guard. Do you think that's true? Yeah, it's his, his jump shot's kind of been struggling. I mean, if you look like I think it was like midway through the season, he was leading the team in three-point shooting. I mean, he was shooting around like 42.4% or something like that, but then he's kind of hit a, he kind of hit a rough stretch after that. I think he was like one for 15 or something. So his number kind of plummeted. And then, yeah, his, his jump shot has kind of been uh, inconsistent throughout the season, but I mean, he's, he's fearless when it comes to driving the ball, um, you know, getting into the paint and scoring uh, at the rim. I mean, he, he is not scared to do that at all. And then obviously we know how, how good of a defender he is. He really sets the tone for Michigan and he, he gets his hands, you know, in the, in the passing lanes and he's very active on that end. Um, he really hounds, uh, you know, opposing defenders. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think definitely, I mean, if he, if he, if he gets like his, his jump shot done, I think that's kind of been the thing that's kind of, you know, hasn't consistently been there for him this season. But I mean, during it, I mean, Michigan hasn't really, they, they don't really need it to be there for them. I mean, cause they have so many other guys who can score and it's not like, uh, you know, Michigan relies on one guy, as we know. I mean, it seems like they have, you know, six or seven guys who can kind of lead the team in scoring. But, yeah, he's definitely, I mean, if he gets, you know, if he can consistently become, like, more of a three-point threat, maybe shoot around 40% and become more of, you know, a, work on his jump shot, that would definitely uh, definitely be a boon for this team. But I think the biggest area for him is, obviously, we know his free throws. And, um, I mean, yesterday he, he shot, you know, he went four or six from the line, and I think the five or six games before that he was only four for 15. I mean, a lot of those were kind of late game situation type things where, you know, teams were obviously intentionally following, following him to send him to the line. Um, but he mentioned after, after the, after the win against Ohio State on Sunday that he kind of, he kind of changed up his routine. I don't know if you saw, but it seems like now he, he says he kind of does like a dribble off to the side to the right, kind of like, you know, former, former pitcher Richard Hamilton. And then he kind of shoots kind of more off his shoulder as opposed to kind of more out in front of him. And uh, he said, you know, he he kind of he was working on that the past few days in practice with Beeline, and uh, you know he he mentioned it's you know for him it's just all mental and it's just you know it's just coming it's just simply he just has to make his free throws. But he mentioned you know that that whole new kind of routine is something he's going to continue to work on. And and John Beeline said it was kind of his idea. Well, I mean he said that initially, but then he uh, you know he mentioned his son Patrick was the one who kind of called him after you know he was watching the game and. He saw, you know, Xavier's form, and he just kind of told him, like, you know, hey, why don't you try to have him, you know, shoot more off his shoulder to do that. So, you know, Beeline, you know, took that advice, and, you know, that's something they've been working on. And, I mean, granted, it's a small sample size. It's just one game, but it kind of seems to be uh, paying off right now. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, if, he, if he's able to, you know, to continue, you know, doing well at the line, you know, these last these last couple games and into the tournament. But, um, yeah, definitely Xavier. I mean, if he becomes more of a consistent threat, um, you know, especially with his jump shot. Like I said, I think he he's fearless driving to the rim, and I and you know that's you know he has no no problem doing that. And then obviously his his defense is uh has been stout and outstanding all this this season. And you know the biggest the biggest Achilles though with him is obviously his free throw shooting. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to get that fixed. Uh, and uh, it is mental. We all know that. But the other pieces of his game have been so impressive. Uh, the, the defense, the distribution. He's the quarterback. He has to uh, to make those plays and make it happen and know who's hot, get the ball to the right guys at the right time. The one thing I had to laugh at, though, when Clark Kellogg said he has to work on his jump shot, is he's got one funky-looking shot, James. It almost looks from long range like a set shot, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not quite as funky as a John Simmons' shot. <laughs> kind of has a little hitch in it, but... Yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely it's definitely a bit weird. It's not like a, a typical smooth jumper that you would you would think. And it seems like a lot of times he kind of has to. It seems like there's like a pause or like a you know before he shoots it, like he needs to kind of line up the shot or something or something to that nature. But um, yeah, it's definitely not a not a smooth stroke. I would say it's nothing. It's not like a shot. You know, like a, not a smooth stroke like Doug Robinson has or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it, I guess that's that might be something that you know, Michigan's maybe tried to work on or maybe something they're going to continue to work on with him. But I mean, it might just be, maybe they have been, it's just something he continues to resort back to. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but um, yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a, a, a weird, uh, well, not weird, but it's not a, a smooth stroke. I would say it seems like, yeah, it seems like he kind of tends to maybe push the ball out in front of him and seems to line it up. And, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, I would say though, the, uh, the, well, the oddest uh, jumper would have to go to John Simmons on Michigan's team. I agree with that. With us on our game day segment this week is beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. 
James, the top four teams in the league get a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, For that to happen, Michigan has to slip by Nebraska. Of course, yesterday or Sunday, that became more a possibility. But it still looks like Michigan has to win both games this week to to get that done, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it also depends on what Nebraska does. Because like we were talking about earlier, I mean, they're both with Nebraska's loss at Illinois on Sunday. They're Michigan and Michigan and Nebraska are both at 11-5 and five with two games to go. But as we know, Nebraska holds the tiebreaker because they won the, the lone meeting between the teams this season. Um, so Michigan, regardless, Michigan has to jump them in total wins. I mean, so whether that means Nebraska loses out and Michigan just has to win one, whatever the combination is, you know, they just have to surpass them in, in win totals. So it would, I, I, it would ideally, Michigan, you know, they would have to win these last two games. But because, I mean, if you look at, Michigan, they, they don't have the benefit. I mean, they're, they're playing at Penn State and at Maryland um, for their final two games. But then Nebraska, obviously, they hold the tiebreaker, but then they also have the benefit of playing at home their final two games. They get Indiana at home, and then they get Penn State at home. So it's obviously kind of not – I would say it's not in Michigan's favor. But, yeah, I definitely think with the four seeds more kind of within reach now with with that loss that Nebraska had, and then obviously coupled with Michigan's win over Ohio State, it's more – that bid's still within reach, but definitely I think Michigan has to win at least one of these two games uh, to kind of still have a good shot at at grabbing that seed. But, I mean, I think when you look at it more, I think it's it's going to be hard for – I think Nebraska will probably beat Indiana. And plus, Nebraska has played so well at home all season, as we've seen. Um, so, I think when you, when you look at it, just I think if you counter into how well Nebraska's kind of played at home this season – um, I think, yeah, I think I would agree that Michigan would probably have to win these final two games to kind of to really jump Nebraska and grab that four seed, you know, so they can get that double bye, kind of open the open the Big Ten play on Thursday, um, you know, and, and with that four seed. Um, but th- then again, I don't think it would I don't think it would be the worst team in the world because if Michigan's able to lock down the the five seed, because as we know, Penn State. I mean, they have a two game cushion on Penn State, but. You know, they could, they still got to make sure, you know, Penn State's kind of right behind them. So they could always still flip to that six seed. You know, you never know what can happen if, if Penn State wins out, you know, um, Michigan can drop to the six seed instead of the five. So um, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world, though, if Michigan has to play on in the second round, you know, and they got to play, you know, a, a team that plays in the first four and then they end up playing Nebraska in the, in the you know, the quarterfinals. I don't think that would be the, 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 the worst thing in the world, you know, to kind of get one of those extra games before heading into that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, I think I, I agree with you. I think they, they probably have to win both of these games, um, to have a, a, a good chance at grabbing that four seed. Just cause like I said, um, with Nebraska playing both teams at home and if you just take into account of how well they've played at home this season. Well, heading into the last week of the regular season right now, James, it's hard for me to say Michigan is red hot right now. They just keep finding ways to win, I think is the best thing we can say about this team. And that's a good thing. Because I don't think they've hit their ceiling yet, and they're not really red hot, especially offensively. You know, if we have a nice run in the Big Ten tournament and get into the NCAAs, do you, do you think this is the kind of a team that can maybe make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it depends, though, too. I mean, where they kind of get in the, in the you know, they're seeing an NCAA tournament. Obviously, you don't want to fall in that, you know, 7-10 to 10 range where you're kind of stuck facing a, a 1 or a 2 seed, um, you know, in that second game. But I mean, then again, we don't even. I mean, who's the one or two seed in this uh, in this country? I mean, I don't. I don't really think there's. I don't think Michigan would be a uh, you know afraid or or scared of any of these one or two seeds. Because I mean, if you look 
you know, Michigan State or Purdue are kind of probably up in that conversation for a one or two seed. And we obviously know Michigan beat Michigan State. So, I mean, you know, even if they're a top seed in Purdue, I mean, we, we've seen they, they push them to the limit twice. I mean, they have two losses by five points. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to be intimidated if that, if that happens. But, yeah, they definitely it's, – it's kind of funny because, I mean, if you look at – they've won five of six, but you really don't even think Michigan's really even, you know, kind of hit their – like you said, they hit their starter. They're kind of hit their, hit their peak right now. Because, um, I mean, remember last season, this was kind of the time where they really started to kind of to kind of get on track and start, you know, start taking off. So, I mean, they could – I mean, these, these, these last two road games, I mean, this is kind of where they can start playing well to kind of start, you know, hitting their starter, whether it be, you know, uh, in the Big Ten tournament where they kind of start, start picking it up. But yeah, I mean, this team is definitely, definitely capable of making it to the second weekend again and making it to the Sweet 16. And I think, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I think they're going to be a tough out for teams because of their defense. And I mean, defense has been there for them, you know, the majority of the season and they able to keep them in the games. But then when you take into account, kind of if, as long as they avoid a Big Ten team, if you're playing another team, you know, you get these short preps. It's tough for for a team to prep for Michigan's offense, you know, on two days or or whatever it may be. If you're, you know you're playing a team from a different conference, so that that kind of you know bodes well uh, for Michigan. So I think when you take all that into account, I think that you know Michigan definitely is is a team that's capable capable of making it to the second weekend. You know, I mean, I mean, like I said, a lot of it kind of depends on what their seating. Um, but then again, I don't think they will be too they won't be intimidated if they fall in that seven to ten range. But I mean, obviously your your chances of making it out of that weekend. Um, is obviously much better if they're able to kind of get like a six seed at least. Um, so, you know, they're not playing one of those, those top tier teams, but yeah, Michigan is, is definitely this season. I mean, um, capable of making another run and getting back to the sweet 16, just, just, uh, based on their, their defense and how, how, you know, been able to kind of limit teams. And then obviously if they're, if their offense is able to get on track, you know, they kind of is clicking on, on both, both ends of the floor. I mean, they're definitely a team that, that has the talent. To, uh, to make it to that second weekend and uh, make another uh, deep run in the NCAA tournament. Final question for you, James. Uh, the season, as we've just been discussing, is far from over with this week and, and the Big Ten tournament. As of this morning, when you look at this Michigan team and the season up to this point, would you say this program or this season has exceeded expectations? I think that's, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I don't... When you look at who Michigan has lost compared to last season's team, I mean, they lost you know, DJ Wilson, who was, you know, the team's like top rebounder, you know, top shot blocker, you know, top post defender. I mean, his versatility, they lost that. And he was obviously one of the most consistent players down the stretch last season when Michigan was hitting its stride. And then they obviously lost Derek Walton Jr., who was arguably one of the best players in the nation. I mean, late, late in the season and really fueled Michigan's uh, postseason run. I mean, and then obviously they lost Zach Irvin, too, who was, you know, a consistent scorer and, you know, he played solid defense. And, had that veteran leadership. I mean, they lost like key guys from that team. So I think heading into the season, I mean, there was, you know, they kind of had these freshmen who were kind of expected, you know, to kind of step in and play roles. And you know, I think some people were kind of leery of it. I mean, obviously they had, they had Mo Wagner back, but I mean, they had, you know, Duncan Robinson who had to start at the four because Isaiah Livers, you know, was a, you know, a, you know, a freshman. So he, he was going to start right away. And then, you know, obviously Duncan's, you know, playing out of, playing out of place, you know, at the, at the four instead of where he's more of a three, so I think there was definitely plenty of questions heading into the season, and then, you know the, if they would be able to duplicate that that success. But I think I think without a doubt, I don't I don't know. Granted, some of it plays into the Big Ten overall this season. I don't think the Big Ten is you know as you know competitive or as good as you know many people would have 
would have thought this season. Um, obviously, you can look at, you know, teams like Northwestern or Minnesota definitely haven't played up to, you know, the expectations many many people would have thought. Um, but granted, I mean, yeah, I think definitely, I think it's fair to say that Michigan has exceeded expectations because I think if you if you would have asked people, you know, if you, you know, is Michigan going to be a top four team in the Big Ten this season? I don't know how many people said they would have agreed with, with that, but I mean, that's the reality right now. I mean, they're kind of, you know, they're right there. They're tied for that, that, you know, that four spot right now. I mean, or, I mean, they're technically fifth right now, but, um, and yeah, I mean, they're kind of knocking on the door of a, you know, a six, seven seed in the tournament. Um, I, I don't think if you would have asked most people last season, just, just taking into account who, you know, the type of players that Michigan lost from last season's team and kind of who they had coming back. I don't, I don't know if many people would have thought, you know, that Michigan would have, at this point of the season, you know, late late in the season that they would be at this point that they are now. You know, I think most Michigan fans are smiling right now and didn't know what to expect when the season started, but are pleasantly surprised heading into the uh, last week of the Big Ten season that uh, this team is where it is. And the possibilities uh, are very interesting as we uh, head to both tournaments, the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament. So once again, uh, our guest on today's show has been beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News, who's joined us several times this season. And James, always a pleasure having you on the show. And in the next couple of weeks, we uh, look forward to having you back on and, um, you know, see if Michigan's still playing. So as always, James, thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Coach B and the guys will be in action at Penn State on Wednesday. Game time is 7 p.m. And then at Maryland on Saturday for a noon start to end the regular season. The Big Ten tournament will get underway next week at Madison Square Garden. In other news, Coach Barnes-Arico and her team will wrap up the regular season on the road at number 13 Maryland on Thursday. At this point, it looks like they need some wins if they have any hope of getting into the NCAA tournament. At best, they are a bubble team right now, at least that's what most experts are saying. Just weeks ago, they looked like a lock for the ladies' big dance, but they've lost four of the last five. They are 20-8 and eight overall, 9-6 and six in the Big Ten. The number 18-ranked University of Michigan hockey team made history Sunday night as they swept number 1-ranked Notre Dame at Red Berenson Rink at Yost Ice Arena. Led by a stellar performance from sophomore goaltender Hayden Levine, who had 34 saves, the Wolverines came away with a hard-fought 1-0 victory. Michigan will host Arizona State this weekend to conclude its regular season schedule before the Big Ten tournament begins on Friday, March 2nd. Puck drop at Yost Ice Arena is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. each night. Senior night festivities will take place following Saturday's game. Michigan is 16-13-3 overall, 11-10-3 in the Big Ten. Freshman left-handed pitcher Megan Bobian claimed both the Big Ten's Pitcher of the Week and Freshman of the Week honors after earning a pair of wins in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. She posted a 0.48 ERA with 12 strikeouts and just five hits allowed through 14.2 innings pitched. She threw a complete game shutout against number 8 Florida State, taking a perfect game into the seventh inning before settling for a seven-strikeout two-hitter. She also posted four strikeouts and contributed to a shutout win against Notre Dame. Michigan is 5-4 to start the season and will be down in Austin this weekend at the Texas Invitational. 
They will be up against Host Texas, Wichita State, and Virginia Tech in the three-day event, which includes five games. Led by strong outings from redshirt freshman Harrison Salter and sophomore Carl Kaufman in their first career starts, the University of Michigan baseball team defeated Army 7-3 on Sunday to clinch the weekend series at first data field. Michigan won 2-3 of three on the opening weekend of play. The Wolverines will travel to the West Coast on Friday, where they will take part in the Tony Gwynn Legacy Tournament. Michigan will first face off against San Diego State at 6 p.m. Pacific time on their home field. The number 4-ranked University of Michigan wrestling team closed out the dual-meet season in style, claiming seven matches en route to a 30-9 win against 20th-ranked in-state rival Central Michigan on Sunday afternoon in front of a crowd of 1,602 at Cliff Keen Arena. The Wolverines, who are 11-3, will have two weeks to prepare for the 2018 Big Ten Championships, slated for Saturday and Sunday, March 3rd through 4th, in East Lansing. Action will begin at 10 a.m. on Saturday and noon on Sunday at the Breslin Center. Don't forget our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please comment or rate the program. Thank you in advance. That will do it for another week. Thanks for joining us here on The Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!